Good morning, everyone. Wasn't it wonderful to be in the presence of the Lord in worship today? Can we give Jesus a big hand clap? Amen. 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 If you're here for the first time, we welcome you. Our second time, our third time. We're so honored that you're with us today. Next Sunday, after this service, and uh, yeah, next Sunday after the first service and before this service, uh, we're going to have a little brunch together. And so the first and second service will get to meet each other, and we'll have some fellowship and and get to connect with one another. And then after the third service, we're having a barbecue. So bring your friends. We're going to have a great time together. This morning, um, we're continuing our series entitled Family Mechanics. And our first week, I talked about his needs. And it was just, it was awesome because when guys are walking out of here, man, I had guys high-five me. Pastor, that was the best message you ever preached. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, thank you. That was really good. And I talked about the wives' responsibility to, the, to their husbands. And then last week, we talked about uh, her needs. And all the women are like, yeah, Pastor, that was incredible. You guys did great. And uh, today we're going to talk about kids' needs. Everyone say kids' needs. And your kids have needs too. And God's given us the great, great privilege to raise our children for Him. And I was thinking about this a couple months ago about this series. We talked about it. And uh, I thought, you know what? We need to bring to City Church the best dad that I know. And we need to have someone who in my life has been a great example of what it is to be a great dad and a great friend. And I thought, Lee Metcalf, I couldn't think of a better friend, better preacher to come and share with us about the family. And uh, Lee and I have been friends for a long, long time. And uh, since I was 12 years old, first time I met Lee, was 12 years old at a youth camp. So we've been friends for a long time. He's a great pastor, great leader, great friend. He's brought his daughter, and he's going to introduce uh, his daughter in just a few moments to us. But I'd like for you to welcome to the City Church platform, Lee Metcalf. Can you give Lee a great big hand this morning? Amen. <laughs> hey, James. All right. All right. Thank you. Hey, well, good morning, City Church. Wow, great to be here with you guys today. I have been so excited to come and be with uh, your pastor and uh, Laura and their family, and uh, one of my favorite places to come. And uh, I don't have my own church now. We uh, work in our uh, district office. I oversee our church planting. We plant about 10 churches a year in Arizona. And uh, so I'm just traveling different places. And uh, you guys are part of a great fellowship in, uh, in the Assemblies of God. We planted more than one church a day last year, over 400 new churches across America. And uh, just amazing, just amazing. In fact, the Assemblies of God is the fastest growing church in America last year. We grew by 4%. The Church of God of Cleveland, Tennessee grew by about 2%. And uh, every other church and denomination in America is in either plateaued or in decline, And uh, which we need to pray for all churches and uh, that they would grow. And uh, we know not just the Assemblies of God is the only good church, and, uh, but I'm thankful that we're growing, and I think it's because of church plants and uh, uh, different ethnic groups and intercultural groups, people coming from all over the world to the United States, and uh, we're doing uh, fairly well at reaching a lot of different groups of people and uh, from different countries. We now have in Arizona, we have uh, our first African church. We've got Haitian, Samoan, Persian, Marshallese, uh, just a whole variety of different ethnic groups. Uh, got a guy just a couple weeks ago came in and uh, wants to get his credentials with us. He's from Afghanistan and a believer wants to uh, start a church and become a pastor. And uh, his name is Muhammad Ali. And I think that's going to be great. Pastor Muhammad Ali. I thought, man, that is just awesome. 
in uh, God redeeming the name, I guess. I don't know. It's just uh, going to be a lot of fun. It's great to serve the Lord and uh, great to be here with you today. Uh, parenting, as Pastor Eugene asked me to talk about parenting, uh, first thing I think is it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's exhausting to be a parent, and uh, it really is. It takes a lot of work to be a parent. And uh, I just uh, uh, really congratulate those parents that are here and uh, knowing that you're working hard to do your best and be a great parent. None of us are perfect in uh, being a parent, but we're doing our best to be parents the way that God designed us to be parents. So I hope we can share a few things with you today that would be an encouragement to you in your parenting and, and uh, what you want to do uh, as succeeding as a parent. Uh, my wife uh, is not here with me. Uh, on this trip. Thankful to have my daughter Brindley is going to come in a few minutes. And, uh, but I do have a picture of my wife and my daughter. They, uh, this last Tuesday night, uh, they're holding their, their license to preach, their license for ministry, which they received at district council last Tuesday. So uh, I'm very proud of them. And I was able to present that to them last Tuesday night. And uh, at our district council, they are—they were two of 63 getting credentials, and uh, 31 of those were women in ministry that were getting their credentials. So it's just an incredible night, and uh, for so many women in ministry, and I just had a great time. And uh, my wife—it's wonderful that she finally pursued that and, and uh, finishing education. My daughter, she's 18, just graduated high school in December, going to Bible College at Southwestern and uh, Sims of God University this fall. And she did for the last two years, she uh, did our district school of ministry, doing uh, one class a month, and uh, completed all the education required, and uh, been preaching in youth groups all around the state. And uh, I am transitioning my ministry. Now I am the uh, chauffeur and uh, administrative assistant and manager, booking her services. And I just kind of tag along on Wednesdays and, uh, and watch her in youth groups. And it's just been amazing the reception that she's had uh, in youth services, one for somebody their own age in a youth group, uh, but especially being a girl. And there's just not that many girl preachers out there uh, preaching to youth groups. And uh, so it's just been amazing in uh, traveling with her, seeing God just doing great things in her life. Uh, my son is in his second year of Bible college. He's actually over in Bangkok, Thailand. And that's a picture of him. He's the one on the left, in case you were wondering. <laughs> And he's over in Bangkok, Thailand, studying and working with some missionaries and uh, going to be home in a few weeks and uh, miss my son desperately. Love hanging out with him and uh, my best buddy. And uh, we just do everything together. When he went away to college, I, everything I did um, is really for the first time without him. He did everything with me. And uh, so everything I do now, it's kind of like, man, uh, something's missing. And uh, it's my son. And uh, so it's always great to see him. And uh, he's just doing a fantastic job and, uh, in, in a Bible college. Well, I want to ask you, just talking about parenting for a few minutes, um, I would just ask you today, what is your vision as a parent? Maybe you're a future parent. Maybe you're not even married yet. Someday you're going to be a mom or dad. And uh, you think, boy, when I'm a dad someday, I'm not going to be like my mom and dad, or I'm not going to make them do what they make me do, or... You know, you kind of have thoughts that go through your mind and sometimes frustrations and things with your parents. And as you get older, uh, you're going to realize that your parents were a whole lot smarter than you thought. They really had a lot more going on than you thought. And uh, it's just sometimes you don't recognize that when you're young. And you know, because they 
keep you on track and even though you want to get off track and they they make you eat healthy when you don't want to eat healthy they do things for your good and for your well-being even though you don't like that sometimes but we appreciate our parents when i ask people what is your vision when i'll ask like a new parent and uh, getting ready to have a baby i'll say hey what is your vision what does being a parent look like for you and most of the time they will tell me i don't want to be like my parents were I said, what do you mean? They said, well, my parents were never around. Or they never had, we never had family dinners. They always talked about it, but we never did it. Or they never came to my games. Or they didn't support what I wanted to do. Or nothing was ever good enough. So my vision for parenting is to not be like my parents. I'm thinking that is not a vision of parenting. That's a motivation. But a vision is... It is not what you, you want it to not look like, but a vision is what you want it to look like. Knowing what you want parenting to look like, knowing what your family is going to, uh, how you're going to shape that, what activities and things you're going to do, what traditions you're going to establish as a family, things that are, are valuable, the values that you have as a family. I, I developed a long time ago a mission statement for our family. I mean, it's just something that it's so important for us. I did as a pastor everything. We had a mission statement. We had our core values. We had all these things for the church. And I realized, wait a minute, my family is more important than, you know, I, I love my church and church family, but my own kids. I thought I need to put the same effort into my own family. So I want to read to you in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1. Says these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life, hear Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. I want to give you two words today that I want you to take away from here this morning. And that is always faithful. Can you just say that with me? Always faithful. Any Marines here this morning? And uh, I, we've got a lot of people that serve in the military. And uh, I thought about this. The, the term for a Marine is Semper Fi, if you ever hear that. And it means always faithful. And I, I thought about that. Uh, and you always hear the term that there's no such thing as an ex-Marine. Once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. There's no more uh, powerful weapon in the world than a Marine and his gun. I mean, it's, they're just radical Marines. I have a nephew just got back from Afghanistan. My dad was in the Marines, and, and uh, I've been around Marines at times during life. But I think I thought about this week, what is it that occurs within that window of time and active service when someone's in the military that becomes part of a Marine's life forever? What could inspire random, diverse individuals with unique personalities, with unique gifts and talents into a unit with a collective identity and purpose? What is it that's so compelling about their mission that men and women risk life and limb to defend each other and more importantly, defend the dignity and freedom of our nation? 
what could possibly generate such enduring influence in their life. There have been many books written on the techniques and strategies and training and culture and experience, and I think those all contribute, but in the end, it really comes down to two words, always faithful. That's what makes the difference. Marines, I know, like my dad, are people of, usually people of few words. They choose action over verbiage. It's like you could be a parent and you could say a lot, but if you're not doing it, it doesn't mean anything. They don't need a lot of fancy words to proclaim their faithfulness. They show it every day. They get things done. They can be counted on when it counts. Don't you like to be around people that get things done? I mean, you're around people that talk about it and you're around people that do it. I like to be around people that do it and, and get it done. Their influence endures. In a word, leadership is influence. And they lead by example. We've all experienced, unfortunately, the effects of unfaithfulness. The needless suffering, the broken promises, the broken vows, broken families, broken lives are the inevitable result of unfaithfulness. Even the most faithful person at times may have a lapse of faithfulness. And unfortunately, unfaithfulness is common today. Faithfulness is very rare. And that explains the question posed by the writer in the book of Proverbs that says, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. The Bible was the first to communicate looking for a few good men, looking for some faithful men and women, always faithful, always on active duty. What if every disciple of Jesus uh, was quick to identify with Jesus and never an ex-disciple, but always faithful. I think that we would become people of enduring influence and I think would change our world. What if a parent is a faithful parent? We're looking for a few good parents, for a few faithful parents. I thought about probably the best thing that I could do today in talking about parenting is hearing from a teenager's perspective. I thought, you know, we sometimes need to hear what kids are thinking. And as we get older, we kind of get, we forget, I think, at times what it was like to be young. And uh, I've invited my daughter, Brindley, to come and share with you this morning uh, from a teenager's perspective, some things that they, I guess on behalf of a young generation, things that they would like us as parents to become. So Brindley, why don't you come? And I want to introduce her to you this morning. So if you could share with us some things that you would hope that parents would consider. Thank you, guys. It's an honor to speak with you on behalf of other teenagers from our point of view and so about some things that we would like you to be as a parent. I know I'm only 18 and I have a lot to learn, but hopefully I can give you some things that can help you. We speak the same words, but we don't always speak the same language. Here are a couple things that I know as teenagers we wish that our parents knew. I really do know how to clean my room. I prefer to just have everything out for easy access. <laughs> I really do remember the things that you remind me to do. I just want you to feel useful. <laughs> I'm glad my mom's not here to hear that one. As teenagers, we may think and like things differently, but we do want to have our parents there to guide us in the right things 
and help us in the things that we are going through. Teenagers most of the time don't do bad things just because they want to. They do it because they want somebody to notice. They want somebody to recognize that they are struggling. We're calling out for our parents and our leaders to recognize that we are making bad decisions because we want somebody to help us to make the right ones. A friend of mine told me a story about when she was younger that she would get erasers and she would make marks across her arms and her hands that would look like burn marks because she wanted somebody to notice that she was going through something. She wanted to know that there was somebody there to help her make her feel like she wasn't alone, to make her feel like somebody there to listen to her. We need parents that are going to spend time with us to listen to what we're going through, to recognize that we're going to face struggles and pressure to do wrong, but what we really need is somebody to help us to make our right decisions. Because the average teenager spends 83% of their time at home, we need our parents there to teach us, to spend time with us, and to help us make the right decisions. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on, your door, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We need parents that are going to talk with us regularly about the things that we may face at school and the things of this world that, they, that people try to make us think is acceptable. We need you to talk about it with us so we will know what the right thing to do is and how we are going to correctly stand against the things of this world. We are always calling for help. We as teenagers want discipline because we know that means that you care. It makes us know that you want us to succeed and that you're doing everything that you can to see us go on to the correct paths. Even if we don't act like we want to talk, keep trying. Just don't expect to get much out of us before noon on any given day. We're more awake at night, just like you used to be before you started going to bed at 9 o'clock. <laughs> we as teenagers need you to be there. We don't like to be alone, and if we are left that way, we will probably do things that we regret. And when we do things that might be dangerous, it's nice to have you there to save us. A couple years ago, me and my dad took a missions trip to Alaska. One night, we were out playing basketball, and a couple guys from our group came up and said that they had seen a moose. So we grabbed our camera and we went down in the forest to find the moose. Well, it was a couple minutes and we finally spotted it. So we walked down there and we started taking pictures. It wasn't a couple of minutes before we realized that this moose was not very happy. So we thought we better pack up and get out of there before this moose decides to do something. So we grabbed our camera and we started to run and all of a sudden, it wasn't two seconds before this moose had charged at us as fast as it could. It rammed me in the back and made me fly to the ground. It tried to stomp on me, but my dad waved his arms as big as he could, and finally the moose had disappeared. I'm because he didn't, the moose was thinking, I don't want to deal with this crazy man coming at me. 
But my dad's always been there when I need times in my life where I need to be saved. We also need you to be consistent. We need you to do the things that you are teaching us to do. When you are faithfully going to church, it will make us faithfully want to go to church. When you are setting the example yourself, it will make us want to follow. We need you to be faithful in your marriage because it will make us want to grow up and be faithful in our marriages. We need you to be forgiving. No matter what we do, forgive us. Forgive us while we're learning to grow up and how to take responsibilities. We need you not only to be forgiving, but we need you to be forgetful. Don't bring up everything that we've done because we don't always do things on purpose. We need you to be fun. Life is so busy and there's so many pressures that we're going to face. We need to be able to just laugh and have fun. I'm so thankful that my mom and dad have always done fun things like taking me out of school and taking me on surprise camping trips. We also need you to be our friend. We do need you to be parents, but we also need you to be a friend. We need to spend time with you and just be able to talk about the things that are going on in life. We don't expect you to be perfect or do everything right, but we do want to deal with how we do want to know how to deal with our mistakes, and we want you to teach us how to walk through the difficult things in life and how to have a relationship with God when things are not going so well. Don't worry about the way that we dress as long as we're modest. The style doesn't matter, just as long as I'm sure it didn't when you were a teenager. Like the silk shirts my dad wore and the hair that my mom had that was as big as a tumbleweed. <laughs> Even if we don't act like you're important, we, we do want you to be there. And we want you to be around. Because it's a very scary world to try and figure out on our own. We don't know what we're doing, we don't know where we're going, and we don't know how to get there. But we do realize that you guys have been where we are. Your experience in life is important to us, and we want to hear about it. We want to know how you know who Jesus is. You always say that there's a wonderful plan for our lives. We want to know how to discover that. You're probably here today because somebody didn't give up on you. And I'm asking you today, don't give up on us. Thank you, Brindley. God is looking for a few good men and women who will be always faithful. And it's not a gender thing. Anybody can be a hero to somebody by being faithful in who you are and in what you do. Your faithful influence, I guarantee you, will endure forever. I think once a parent, always a parent. You may have an ex-husband, you may have an ex-wife or an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boss, but never an ex-parent, never an ex-child. You are a parent forever. And our motto as a parent should be always faithful for every parent. Though not a Marine, our, our nation last week honored a faithful hero. The Congressional Medal of Honor was presented by President Obama to U.S. Army Chaplain Captain Emil Capon. He was a hero who died 
1950 during the Korean War, serving and saving the lives of his fellow soldiers. Chaplain Capon heroically saved the life of a wounded soldier who was about to be executed by the enemy by running and protecting him and putting his arms around him and lifting him up. They both were captured, sent to a POW camp where the chaplain continued to serve as a representative of Christ. Frequently gave his own tiny ration of food so that other soldiers could live. He modeled faith and virtue while keeping hope alive for others. He died of starvation in that camp. As I listened to that story and, and just re- looked it up on the internet and just decided to find out more about the story and the details after I heard President Obama giving the, the speech and talking about him, and I wondered what were the influences that shaped him into being such a faithful man, willing to make extraordinary sacrifices for other people. I think there's the obvious formation of his abiding faith and and, uh, religious faith and practice that's common to all chaplains, but there's also the influence of his family life. As one who grew up in rural Kansas, he had a close family. He was on a farm within a tightly uh, knit community, and it was in that context that he learned the value of hard work um, and honesty, loyalty. He was supported by uh, the neighbors, uh, just had a simple lifestyle with just meager possessions. Both of those streams of influence were absolutely vital in preparing him to endure captivity with such humility and courage so that he became the inspiration of other POWs to carry on. Chaplain Capon was consistent in his daily walk and how he lived his faith. And I wonder, what do all faithful heroes have in common? It's the same characteristics as faithful parents who become heroes to their kids. They are present and available rather than absent and inaccessible. Can my loved ones count on me to be present and available to be there for them when they need me? They are alert and engaged rather than preoccupied and distant. Am I present when I am present or neglecting my duty to pay attention to my family, my friends, and my responsibilities? They are courageous and sacrificial. Rather than playing it safe or out of harm's way, will I protect and serve others? or only myself. There are three things that I think we need to apply to our life as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. First of all is being always faithful to the Word of God. There is an inheritance we as parents can give. And when you come to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and 6, this is the end of Moses' life. He's led the children of Israel uh, for 40 years in the wilderness. And now he brings them to a place of entrance into the promised land. It's like, this is it, the final time that we get to go in. And he's getting ready to step off the scene, and Joshua is going to take his place. So what is it that he chooses to talk to the entire nation about before they enter the promised land? He talks about parenting. Parenting, teaching their children. He reminds them of all that God has done, as we read in chapter 5, how he showed him his glory and how the, the two million people heard his voice from the darkness. And in Deuteronomy 5.29, he says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. 
God's heart is to bless you and your family. Nothing pleases him more than to bless parents and sons and daughters. There is an inheritance you can give your children. It is more valuable than some precious heirloom or piece of property. It's teaching your children the word of God. That is the primary responsibility for you as a parent, to instruct your children in the word of God. That's what he's talking about in chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Be faithful to the word of God and always be faithful to God. Chapter 6 and verse 5 said, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And thirdly, always be faithful to your kids. In chapter 5, verse 21, Moses tells them to instruct their kids that we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Your kids are a gift of God. And your investment of time that you give them is worth every minute. When you ask your kids, uh, or when your kids ask you today, why do you give so much to the church? Why do you give so much of your time at the church? Why do you give so much money to the church? Why do you give uh, of everything you have? Why do we have to be in church so often? I think we are learning from this scripture in the same way that Moses was instructing them It instructs us today that you tell them your mom or your dad was not always a Christian. There was a day when I was bound in sin and I was in the bondages of the things of this world and life was not going well for me. And there was a day that Jesus delivered me from that bondage and set me free and brought me into a whole new way of life. That's why I gladly give of my resources. That's why I gladly give of my tithes and offerings and my time and my talents and my energies because it wasn't always this way for me. So I give with joy in my heart. He wants us to always be faithful. I think probably thinking about this week, Uh, in a court of law, they have you, uh, if you're going to testify, you place your hand on the Bible and then you raise your right hand and you repeat these words. And I'm going to ask you to do that this morning. Would you just raise your right hand? If you have your Bible, hold that in your hand, raise your right hand, repeat these two words, always faithful. That's the greatest thing you can do as a parent. The greatest gift you can give your children, the greatest way that you can honor the Lord is to always be faithful in teaching the Word of God and being faithful to the Lord and being faithful to teach the Word of God and how to live for God, how to discover the will of God and the plan of God to your kids. That's the greatest thing that you can do to offer them. I thought about um, it really is a big job to be a parent. Sometimes it's a really tough job. 
Sometimes, just like us, when we were young, our kids don't make the greatest decisions. And we have a choice at that moment, as Brinley mentioned this morning, do we forgive them or do we just judge them, criticize them, just get angry at them? Or are we just going to say, hey, I love you, I forgive you, and it'll be okay. We've got to remember the things that we desired for our parents to do for us when we were young. Sometimes I don't always do it right. Thankfully, I, I occasionally come around and finally remember what it was like to be a teenager. And I've gone at times to say, Brindley, forgive me. I love you, and I forgive you, and it's going to be okay. Sometimes we have to model that. I want to honor some great parents today. Uh, I think probably the, uh, as Pastor Eugene said, we've known each other for a long time. I've known your pastor for over 30 years, and uh, one thing has always been the same. He's always been a faithful friend, and I appreciate that. He just calls me out of the blue all the time. Over a 30-year period, there's only a couple guys in my life that call me regularly, and Pastor Eugene is one of those. He says, hey, I'm just checking in. How you doing? Sometimes it's a two-minute conversation. Sometimes it's a 45-minute conversation. But he's always been a faithful friend. He's always been, he and Laura have been faithful pastors to this church. I don't know any better pastors. I really don't. And I know a lot of pastors. They're incredible. What you guys have here is amazing. And uh, I tell you, your church is defined by the presence of God that's here. All of our churches are not defined by uh, the doctrines and things that we believe. It's defined by the presence of God. And that's because you have a pastor that ensures that the presence of God dwells in this place. That he's a man of prayer and uh, seeking the Lord. And I appreciate that. But more importantly than that, Pastor Eugene and Laura are faithful parents. And I wanted to honor them as parents. And I asked uh, their kids, of course, who can do that better than their own kids. And they wanted to share by video. So if you guys want to show that video. Hi, church. I'm Austin Smith. And I'm Keenan. And we get to brag for a few minutes about our parents, Pastor Eugene and Laura. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of opportunity for um, the church to see what our parents are like outside of kind of the, the ministry area. And we just want to take a few minutes to give uh, some examples of why our parents are the most faithful people in the world, and specifically as far as raising us as young men. Right. Um, a specific example I have is from the first days of, of our church. Uh, I remember we would go out on Saturday morning on what we called visitation, and uh, I remember I remember getting to knock on knock on these doors and invite these kids to church and tell them uh, the bus was going to pick them up in the morning, and then uh, the next morning we would go and we'd get to set up the whole campus. Um, and I remember that it was very intentional to not just wanting us to just stay at home or with a sitter and, or watch cartoons or just go play or something like that, but how they really wanted us to make uh, help us to belong and, and feel like we were a, it, was, it was a family endeavor, the church was a family endeavor, and not just um, them as parents doing their thing and then us as kids kind yeah. of like watching them. Yeah, and going off that intentionality, I mean, for both of us, uh, our mom every single morning has made breakfast for us and not just any breakfast I'm talking the best breakfast and um, even during that time uh, just sitting down at the, the kitchen table in the morning and opening up the, the Word of God and reading to us scripture and not just any scripture either not Bambi script Pambi couple scripture verses. I'm talking whole chapters of the Bible right. and that um, that time in the morning has just been a foundation for us getting that word in our lives it's been a, a huge structure 
uh, as we've grown up and, and kind of been like that that guiding force in our lives, just having that Word of God in our heart. Yeah, and they were definitely um, they definitely set us up. Uh, they try to set us up for success and think about our future in every way. And I, I just remember them um, supporting us uh, all down the line. I remember Keenan used to do sports, and uh, I tried to do sports, and I wasn't like the most athletic of kids. <laughs> but even when I went out to you know to try to play baseball or basketball, I remember my dad always saying, you know, Keenan, you're a champion for God. That's like his. That's like his catchphrase, and just hearing that growing up, that you know I can do it, and that I'm, I'm a champion, and that uh, whatever I do and set my hand to, I'm you know I, I can succeed at. Just supporting us in everything that we right. do. And and currently, um, like I remember the last several years, I'm really trying to figure out my my direction for my future. I remember um, every time where I, I feel like I've had maybe a certain call or whatever. I remember they were never trying to point me. Just this is what we think you should do. It's always been more. Austin, listen to what God's telling you. We're going to support you the whole way. And then being uh, very practical in that. Um, I, I hope that, that you, you know, I know everyone that's watching, you have an example of time that they've been faithful to you or that you get to see them be faithful from the church. But I hope you and I can, have kind of got to shed some light on how they've been faithful as parents. Hi, church. <laughs> Would you just stand with me uh, this morning? And uh, I just think it would be uh, very fitting once again to thank Pastor Eugene and Laura for being the, the great example that they are as faithful parents. Can we do that again? Just to thank them for that and appreciation. I think probably better than, than anything they can give you is the example they live as a good husband, as a good wife in this uh, series on relationships and, and the family and things that they're talking about is so crucial and they model the things that they're preaching and I just appreciate that for them. I want to ask all of you today, uh, whether you're a parent or going to be a parent someday in your life, I think we just need to ask the Lord to help us, to strengthen us, uh, maybe as a parent to get back on track and, and uh, really focus on the things that are really important to you. Uh, in your life. Sometimes we get so busy, we forget to take the time and, and, and the importance of our kids being around us. And when it's every day, it's easy to forget. And it kind of, as a parent, sometimes you feel taken for granted. And I think sometimes kids feel the same way, that they're just always going to be there. We just kind of take it for granted. God wants to strengthen our families today. And would you just lift your hands with me as we pray today? Father, I thank you for all the parents that are here this morning. God, I pray that you would forgive us and our shortcomings as parents as we forgive, God, our kids and their weaknesses and, and shortcomings in their life. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us as a family. God, that you would help us again to set right the priorities of our home, that we would make sure that it's focused on the Word of God and following you and being faithful to learning the Word and and how it applies to our daily life. God, I pray that you would help us, give us wisdom, give us strength. Lord, help us not grow weary in, in parenting, but give us the strength that we need to guide our children into the ways of God, that they would grow up being faithful to you as well. Lord, I again ask you to help us to always be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen.